start off by telling you I'm so proud to watch you respond to the Lord. You guys, um, we are big into responses. We try to pray that they'd be meaningful and deep, and we go out of our way to, to make them feel like they really connect with what the Lord is saying in a tangible way. And every time we watch you on Wednesdays and Sundays, and especially events like this, where you just lay it all out and you reveal what's going on inside, as your pastor, I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. And I am excited for you because what you did last night, laying the foundation, laying the groundwork for what God wants to do today was key to receiving some awesome stuff today. And if you're in this room and you're like, you know, I, I, I realized last night there's more, or I realized last night I, I, I missed it, or I realized last night I wasn't ready, that's fine. You'll have another opportunity before this morning is over. Um, you guys, I hope you like the journals that we got for you, and I hope you maybe brought them with you or have some paper and pen available. Um, would you go ahead and grab something to write with or on if you have it? Um, Brooke read a quote to me the other day, and I want to share it with you guys. What's that windy sound? Is that you, Jesus? It may be. Brooke read this quote to me the other day, and I want to share it with you guys. It's kind of the direction we want to go as a student ministry. 3,000 years ago, when alphabetical writing began spreading through the masses of the ancient Near East, written words were far more than idle marks meant simply to be read. Words were repositories of power, physical vessels that gave material reality to one's innermost thoughts and even the soul itself. You guys, we want to be a student ministry that produces disciples and disciples are people who read God's word, who write God's word, and who think about it, what it says. So as God is speaking to you today through the sermon, through the scripture, through the worship, through whatever, write it down and think about what is this saying to me. So the theme again of our weekend is the great exchange, and it has already begun. Last night we exchanged, we traded in our sorrow to make room for and to begin receiving God's joy tonight, we'll be doing something similar. Right now and today, we're trading in our desires. We traded in our sorrow, now we wanna trade in our desires. And I wanna define this word, desire for you. It is a longing or a craving as for something that brings satisfaction or enjoyment. A longing or craving as for something that brings satisfaction or enjoyment. What are some things that people desire in this life? It could be you or somebody you know, but what are things that people desire? What do you got? I heard something over here. Marriage. marriage. People desire marriage. What else? Money. Money all day. What else? Food. Big time. I had Taco Bell last night. I was so desiring of it, and then I was super regretful. Chocolate, specific kind of food, absolutely, love me some good chocolate. Not the dark, bitter kind, but the sweet kind with like the crunchy things inside. What else? Something from the cheap seats upstairs. What do we desire? Cars, love, I like that. All kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. Well, you guys, shh, we get it, we get it. You have something to say. I want you to be thinking about that word 
And I want you to think about what it means for you this morning. What do you desire? What do you want? What do you need? Be thinking about that. And it could be, man, I I want and I need this, but I know it's not good for me. That's fine. Own that. Acknowledge that. Or I want this and I need this and I know it's so good for me, but it's beyond me. Great. Good. Think about that and acknowledge that. But the the word for the day is desire. And we're going to address that before we leave here this morning. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we again invite you to come and own this space, own this place, own our hearts and minds. We open our ears. We want to hear from you. We open our eyes. We want to see you today. Would you come and speak words of life and truth and encouragement and love to each and every one of us? We don't want to walk out of here the same that we came in. We want you to transform us. We're inviting you to change the way that we think. And as we change the way that we think about who you are and who you created us to be, it's going to change the way that we feel, and that's going to change the way that we act, and we're going to be, before we know it, in the blink of an eye in revival. We want that. We need that. We don't even know exactly what it looks like, but it sounds awesome, and you've promised it, and we want to receive it. So we say to you with our hearts right now, come, Holy Spirit, and do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, so God, his desire for us, based on that passage that I feel like he gave to me for all of us for 2018, is that he desires to give us rescue, refreshment, and revival. Last night, we began to receive rescue by admitting, I got a problem, and I see this is what God is offering as a solution. Admitting we have a problem and then acknowledging and embracing and applying that solution. We've already done a lot of the heavy lifting. And I can tell you guys are feeling good this morning as a result. I can feel the lightness in the air. I can see that you guys just seem to have gotten out from underneath some burdens. And I'm already hearing stories and I'm already hearing testimonies about how you feel the freedom that this weekend and Jesus is offering you. And I love that. And as a result, like I'm looking out at your beautiful, shiny faces, and it's like I'm looking at a whole room of brand new people that are just ready to rock and roll. But God wants to give us more. He doesn't want us to stop there because he loves us, he knows what's best for us, and he understands the danger that we're in. When God removed our sin last night, it was like cutting off a dead branch on a beautiful oak tree. Just picture a big, beautiful tree, and there's just this one funky branch with like rot and pests, and like God just cut that sucker right off, right to the bone of the tree. Now, the thing about stumps, the thing about branches being cut off is if you don't take care of it, if you don't tend to it, um, that, that rotten branch, it can grow something right back in its place. Um, there's not supposed to be that branch, that sin on your life anymore. And if you don't take care of it, if you don't tend to it, it can grow back just like that. Now, if you want to be completely free, you need to go to the root of the problem. Our, we're asking God, before we go out and serve today, before we go and represent Jesus to others today, we're asking him, what is the root of my sin? What is the root of my sorrow? What is the source, what is the the driver behind what I laid down last night? 
Cindy, throw up my second picture. You guys, there's sin, and then there's the root of sin. If the sin was a nasty branch on the top of this tree, or the tree itself in our life of just like all these things that have grown up in us as we have been pursuing addiction or pornography or lying or compulsive eating or whatever, we may have cut off and removed the tree part and are ready for newness, but there's all these roots of what led to that desire and us pursuing it in the wrong way in the first place. My story, the root of my sin, you guys know that for years, um, you know, I wrestled with alcoholism. A decade of my life, I was just a, a blatant uh, drunk. And I believed that my sin, like the root, was alcoholism. And I confessed my alcoholism as sin many times over those 10 years, especially those last three when I was really Justin, trying hard to quit. And I would confess my sin in similar fashion that you guys did last night. And God was so faithful every time. He would forgive me. And he would take care of me. And he would encourage me. And I would wake up the next morning feeling stronger. But I did not take that empty place that he had created in me when I confessed my sin. I didn't fill it with anything else. So I would confess my sin. And I would feel what you're feeling this morning. Just fresh and light and free and good and new. I would experience freedom, but then for me, it was like a 24-hour cycle. I'd wake up in the morning after confessing my sin as I went to bed, drunk. Oh, God, this is horrible. I don't want this anymore. And I would get up in my house, and I would pour out anything that I had left over that I didn't finish drinking the night before. And I'd say, today is going to be a brand new day. I'm never going back there again. But you guys, by, by 5 o'clock, when the sun was going down, like on autopilot, I would just find myself drifting right back to the store and buying a six-pack. Or just on autopilot, walking into a bar to meet my friends, and I would just be drinking all over again. And you know how that feels when you're like, I know this isn't good for me. I know I don't want this anymore. And I just do it anyway. And I can't stop. And I started to think, as I'm sure many of you do, what is wrong with me? Why can't I stop? I have a visual that just popped up in my mind yesterday, and it's ridiculous, but it's perfect for how I feel when I'm trying to get rid of something, but I'm not looking beyond the thing. I'm not looking at where is this coming from and what's going on. Check this out. Yeah, what 
<laughs> hey, right, dude, do that. <laughs> and that, my friends, is why we don't do pranks at church. You guys, um, it, it is hard not to watch that and just laugh at that poor kid, but I want to tell you this morning that that kid, that's you and that's me. That kid is you and me, just blinded by our sin, enraged by our circumstances, just freaking out about what's right in front of us because we never stop and ask, where is this coming from, right? All that kid had to do was just start doing this, you know, and realize there is somebody messing with me, there is somebody poking me, there is a source to my misery. We laid down our sin last night, we confessed it, and God did what he does, but he wants to do more. He wants to take us to the root of the issue and yank that sucker out so that when you go home at the end of this weekend, you truly do not have to be afraid. You truly experience freedom. So I did not begin to experience that true freedom until I stopped and I looked around at my circumstances in the midst of my alcoholism, in the midst of my two or three years of trying to quit with all the power and might and will that I had and failing day after day and after day, compounding my guilt and my shame. And I finally just said, all right, God, look, why? Why do I drink? I remember talking to him about this. And there were a couple reasons why I pursued my particular sin. Mine was drinking, yours is whatever. But I just said, why am I doing this? Why do I drink? And some of the reasons were boredom. There's not a lot to do around here. And so you drink. And that's true. And that may be true for some of you. Just give it a shot. There's nothing else going on. Uh, Netflix is out, so I'll try some vodka. Like, it's that simple. Boredom is a big reason why we try things out. Um, I was self-medicating. I remember the first time that I went out and got drunk, and I, it was pretty much in rebellion against my parents. I was angry at them, and I was like, I'm just going to go out with my friends and do whatever I want. So rebellion was part of it, and self-medicating because I was so unhappy at home. Um, but when I really got serious about that question, after those two things, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm drinking regularly. I'm drinking all the time because that's what all my friends do. That's how I connect with my community. That's what we do. We didn't do anything unless it had drinking at the center of it. So when I asked the Lord, why do I drink? The answer was clear. I drink to connect with my friends. And so I asked him a follow-up question. Okay, so why do I need alcohol to connect? And the answer, it scared me a little bit. And I was like, is that really, is that really where I'm at? Is that really how far I am into this? I was afraid that people wouldn't like me unless I did. I was afraid I wouldn't be accepted unless I did. I was afraid if I went to hang out with my friends at the bar or the garage and whatever, and everybody's drinking and I didn't, that I would be the odd man out. And I didn't like the way that that might feel. And I know that you guys don't like the way that that feels. But then I just said, okay, so what's really behind, what's this fear all about? What is, this, what is the fear, what is the source, what is the root of me being afraid of not fitting in? And I realized I am afraid of being alone. I'm afraid of being alone. And I know that that speaks to a lot of you guys in this room. I'm afraid of being alone. 
As I realized that, it was like a bomb went off in my mind and my heart, and I started to look at those eight, nine years of struggle with my sin in an entire new light, and I realized, man, the root of my issue is not alcoholism. The root of my issue is that I am hungry for community, and I want and long to be loved. I desire to be part of something real, and I was just pursuing it that God-given desire for love and community in a depressing, sad, empty way. Now, you guys surrendered some heavy stuff last night. And again, I'm proud of you. I'm encouraged. I'm inspired by you. Glancing at the words and the statements on this door, I am impressed with what you guys laid down. Porn addictions eating disorders, self-image issues, just doubt and disbelief in all of this. Galatians chapter 5, 1 says that Christ has truly set us free. And that's what happens when we confess our sins. That's what happened when you obeyed the Lord and got your sins out of his sight last night. He set you free. But the next sentence says, now make sure that you stay free and do not get tied up again in slavery. Well, how might we abandon our freedom? How might we walk away from what God did? It's if we don't address the root of our issue. I want to invite us to have just a couple minutes of listening prayer time right now. We're just going to go ahead and ask one of the big, heavy questions right here in the middle of the sermon. And it's this. I want you to ask the Lord, what is the root of my sin. I want you to remember, I want you to acknowledge, I want you to look at your journal where you wrote down what did you lay down last night? And don't try to manufacture it on your own up here, but ask God, what is the root of my sin? What is driving me to act in this way? And I'm going to give you 60 seconds to just ask and receive. Jesus, we are asking you And you know us better than we know ourselves. And you know you want to set us free. And you know you want our freedom to be truly free. So reveal to us, remove the scales from our eyes, what's the root of my sin? Student, ask God that in your own way and write down what you sense. Write down what you feel or see. If you're writing, keep writing. 
You guys, we have desires, and, and so many of them are, are rooted in a God-given desire for X, Y, or Z. God himself has desires as well. I want to check back in on our friends in Isaiah. I want to look at them with fresh eyes, the same passage we read last night, Isaiah 1, 2 through 4, and I want to approach it this time not as what's the byproduct of their sin and what's going on, but let's look if we can discern what their desire is, where the root of their sin issue was. Listen, O heavens, pay attention, earth. This is what the Lord says. The children I raised and I cared for have rebelled against me. Now, even an ox knows its owner. A donkey recognizes its master's care, but Israel doesn't know its master. My people don't recognize my care for them. Oh, what a sinful nation they are. They are loaded down with a burden of guilt. They are evil people, corrupt children who have rejected the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel and they have turned their backs on him. That phrase just keeps leaping out at me this weekend. They turned their backs on God. Now, God's desire for us is right there at the beginning of Isaiah. He desires relationship with us, and he desires to care for us. If you think God is just all about wanting to boss you around and control you, you're wrong. All he wants is a personal relationship with you, his son, or his daughter, and then he wants to take care for you. He wants to bless you. He wants to provide for you and love you. But you can't have a relationship with someone who turns their back on you. Now, why do we turn our backs on God? Why did these people turn their backs on God? Because they didn't trust him. They did not trust the Lord, their maker, to meet their needs or to fulfill their desires. They didn't like the way that he laid out for them. They took matters into their own hands and they charged off and said, we're going to do it our own way. They just didn't trust their father. I think of my son. I tease my son sometimes because he makes it so easy. But I will tease Wyatt and I will offer him something and I'll like hide it behind my back. And when I do that, he will turn his back on me. And then he will not look at me for nothing. And he just runs to mama. And I'm like, I brought this on myself. But God never does that to us. He never dangles anything. He never makes promises that he doesn't keep. But we still turn our backs on him. And so he does what I have to do and he waits. Because the harder I try to get Wyatt to turn back around, he just like goes rigid. And he's like, I don't want to. And so I'm forced to wait. And you guys, God is waiting today for you to bring him your desire, to fulfill the freedom that he started in you last night. If you still don't know the root of your sin that we just prayed about a second ago, this may be it. I challenge everyone in this room right this second to just consider, just to pray to the Lord, do I fully trust you, God? 
Do I trust you with my future? Do I trust you to find me the right husband or wife, to lead me to the right school, to bring the answer during that test when I'm freaking out? Do I trust you that when you say to go to the person that's offended me that you'll give me the right words to say? Do I trust you that when you say don't have sex before marriage that it's not you holding out on me, but it's for my good? Do you trust God? Do you trust his way? The good news in all of this is that if you don't fully trust God, and you guys, it's a relationship, it's always growing, it's always increasing, which means we all have room to increase our trust in him. If you don't fully trust him, it may simply be because you've never really given him a chance, and you've never really tried, like really tried his way of doing things. But again, that's the good news. You guys were already there. We've already started. I know every single one of you that came up here and wrote last night. I know every single one of you that opened up and shared with your group last night. You know it was good. You know it was right. You know you're better for it. That's God's way. It's trustworthy. It's for your best. And there's more to come. And it's just going to require a little more obedience and faith. Isaiah 1.16 was God's way for us last night. Wash yourselves and be clean. Get your sins out of my sight. And you've done it. You did that. And today, for the rest of the day, it's just about the next step, the next verse, the next faithful trust. Get your sins out of my sight. Done. Now, learn to do good. Seek justice, help the oppressed, defend the cause of orphans, and fight for the rights of widows. God says, get your sins out of my sight. And then he doesn't say, take a year off and get right. He doesn't say, now go and sit on the bench because you were naughty. He says, now get right back out there in the game and just do it. Just do what you should have been doing all along. You can start right now. Just learn to do good. How? By doing it. Seek justice. Help others. Look for people that are hurting and in need and just get close to them and say, I'm here. How can I help? Now, what does serving others have to do with getting right with God? How, how does me taking care of one of you help me? Well, we know the foundational passage says that it is better to give than to receive, so we got that going for us, but I look at it this way. If sin separates us, if rebellion separates us, if turning our back on the Lord in any area of our life has separated us from God or from each other, then just turning back around and putting God front and center and putting his way right here, that's what brings us back together. I feel like I'm just going to go off book for a second and just press in a little bit, but you guys, think of your life, think of your sin, think of your desire. Think about, you, you have to know. You have the word and you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have to know where it is in your life that you know God is saying, this is not my best for you. And you're like, I'm going to do it anyway. This is my best for you. Well, I'm never going to do that. Bring that to mind. That's, that's your rebellion. That's mine. God, my first 
ever visit to Wood's Edge, out at the old theater at Montgomery College. And I am as far back in the corner as I can be. There's no lights. Nobody can see me. And I'm just kind of there. And there's Pastor Jeff, like, way down in the front. And I have no idea what he was talking about. But the Holy Spirit was using him to convict me, Justin, I have better things for you in this life than getting drunk and spending all your money on alcohol. And I knew in that very moment, I have to surrender. I have to give up alcohol. I have to discover the root of why have I gone so far away from who I am that I can't even identify who I am unless I'm at a club drunk. I knew from the minute he spoke to me where I was in rebellion. Student, you do too. I encourage you to grab hold of that this morning. Not just the behavior, but what's at the root? What's the thing inside of you that's saying, I don't trust you, I don't want you, don't be afraid of that. Grab it, let's deal with it, let's give it away. Do you know that the word Israel that God chose to call us means to wrestle with God? He delights in saying, you're my wrestling partner. Like, I love to mix it up with you. I love to grapple with you. I love that you have free will and independence and you want to be like, I don't like it. And he's like, all right, good, let's talk about it. It is okay that you are struggling. It is okay that you got something deep inside of you that says no. He's like, let's mix it up. Give me a chance to show you a better way. How does serving others help me? Well, like I said, it brings us back together. It separates the distance. It's me turning around and saying, all right, God, you told me to love you and obey you. I did that. Now you said love others, so I'm going to do that. And here's what he says about when you serve others, when you face him. Isaiah 58, when we love each other, when we feed the hungry, when we help those in need, then... When we love each other, when we feed the hungry, when we help those in need, then our light will shine out from the darkness, and the darkness around us will become as bright as noon, and the Lord will guide us continually, giving us water when we are dry, restoring our strength, and we will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. Do you know what God just said? To you and to me, when we help others, when we put others first, that's when the real healing begins. Because all of a sudden, it's not just, I want to be right, God help me, but you know what, God, I'm going to obey you to the next step and go and start loving others, even though I can't even see what's coming. And he said, good, now I'm not only going to free you from your sin, but I'm going to deal with the root. There is a reason that Freedom Weekend is not us going to Splash Town, which would be horrible today in the afternoon, but instead to go and serve others because this is vital to the full freedom that God is offering. You are not going to go and just serve others so that they can receive. God is going to give to you. God is going to heal you as you serve others. I don't care if you're raking today, sorting clothes at Threads, out at Five Oaks, at the nursing home, you are making a conscious decision to turn and to face Jesus and say, I'm going to try it your way today. And he's like, I've been waiting. You don't even know what I have in store for you. As you serve today, 
based on the promises of that passage, light shining out from darkness, strength, answered prayer, that you will start to feel like a well-watered garden, I guarantee you, I want you to be looking, I want you to be listening for the fact that your selfishness is going to just fade. Your identity in Christ is going to grow. And your hunger for this, for community, for doing things the way that God calls us to, is going to increase exponentially. Do not deny yourself of that gift. Give all of yourselves away today, and he will bless your socks off. I want to show you guys one more clip from Dances with Wolves this morning. And I'm going to let it speak for itself. I don't gonna, I'm not going to set it up. And we'll talk about it after. Check this out. It seems every day ends with a miracle here. And whatever God may be, I thank God for this day. To stay any longer would have been useless. We had all the meat we could possibly carry. We had hunted for three days, losing a half a dozen ponies and only three men injured. I'd never known a people so eager to laugh, so devoted to family, so dedicated to each other. And the only word that came to mind was harmony. Many times I've felt alone, but until this afternoon, I'd never felt completely lonely. And I love this movie, and I encourage you to watch it after this week, and watch it on MLK Day on Monday if you've never seen it. There are so many things in there that I could talk about. I could talk about the fact that his statement of, I don't really know what God is, but I'm thankful, like... He doesn't know who God is, but he recognized that this weekend that he just spent with his new friends was the richest time he'd ever experienced. He just realized that spending time with people devoted to loving each other was the best possible way he could spend any day of his life. This guy we saw last night was ready to give up everything, ready to just throw in the towel, ready to commit suicide. This guy was longing for death. And in just a short time, as a result of investing in real community, the kind that God calls us to, he went from hungering for death to longing for life. I love that he said, many times I had felt alone, but until today, I had never been truly lonely. He was realizing my desire has not been being fulfilled, but now it is. Pressing in to this community, to what this weekend is all about, that is God's way, and it is glorious, 
and it is beautiful, and it will heal you today if you give yourselves to it. Last night, we traded in our sorrow, and this morning, before you leave this room, I am challenging you to identify your desire and give it to the Lord. Josh, you guys can take the stage, and I'm going to close our sermon with a story. <clears throat> Several years ago, we needed to raise money, and I don't know if it was the ministry team's building or something else, but we needed to build some extra facilities, and so we're praying and we're talking about what kind of building campaign do we want to do to raise money, and I actually um, was really impressed by a story in the Old Testament of this king who realized we need to build some stuff for the temple, and he said, let's just put out some treasure chests at church, at the temple, and as people come, we'll invite them to just give what they can, not come and write a check or give some shekels, but just bring whatever you've got. And so we called it the treasure tithe, in that whatever we collected, we would use the funds garnered from those things to build, to increase. And people did bring cash, and people brought checks, and people signed over stocks and bonds. Um, I think a couple people like willed their house to the church, which is just amazing and beautiful, and I can't even understand that. People gave us boats, and we were like, we didn't really want those, but we took them. Cars, etc. One couple, an anonymous couple, they decided we're going to give the very best that we have to offer. This couple did not have a lot of money. They did not earn much. They, they really had next to nothing. They didn't own their home from the letter they wrote. But the one thing they owned that was most precious to them were these two gold wedding rings. These are the rings that they put on each other's fingers 50 years before when they said, forever I do with you. And they're like, this is all we got. And this means more to us than anything we own. And so we will give these. And they're not worth a lot of cash. But it was the most precious, moving, beautiful, sacrificial giving that I've ever seen. And as the story started to slip through the community of Woods Edge, generous people that God has blessed huge in our community said, please give us their name. Like, I want to go over to Donahoe's and get them the biggest diamond ring ever to bless them. But those people said, we want to be anonymous because we don't want our reward here on earth from people. We want God's best. Malachi chapter 3 says, If you trust me with everything, says the Lord, if you trust me with your best students, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great that you will not have room to take it in. Try me. Put me to the test. I will bless you so richly that every nation will call you blessed and your land and your life will be a delight. Those people gave what was most precious, their greatest treasure, their, the epitome of their desire. They gave that to God because they knew we trust him and he's going to take care of us. He's going to bless us. 
He's going to reward us for our faith. If you give your desire to Jesus this morning, that root thing that you so long for, if you declare, I trust you today, I promise you, because it's God's promise for you, he's going to bless you huge, beyond your wildest dreams. And I'll challenge you, you guys, how have you been doing manufacturing your desire, manifesting some sort of result for what you want? Is that working out well for you? Or like me, do you just keep hitting a wall? God wants to give amazing things for you today. And it just requires a little more obedience and a little more faith and a little more sacrifice. Psalm 37, three through four, trust in the Lord and do good. Calling you guys to trust the Lord today, calling you guys to do good today. If you do that, you will live safely in the land. You will prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. That is a promise you can take to the bank. I'm gonna pray for us and we're gonna respond just like we did last night. These doors are still face up. Your sins are still here. I want you to join your sin with the root desire God has revealed to you. Give him your desire. Your desire could be for a husband. Your desire could be for love. Your desire could be for a car. Your desire could be to get into the right college. Your desire could be um, to be adopted. It could be anything, but just give it to him and trust him with it and see what he might do for you. You guys, I trusted God last year and it was uncomfortable and I didn't like it. And gave me a son. He's going to heal my wife. Revival is coming. It was small potatoes what I gave to him. Give him your desire this morning and just watch and wait. I bet before the end of the day, you'll know that was a good trade. I'm going to pray for us and you guys know what to do. Jesus, if there is still anyone in this room that is struggling for that right word or words that epitomize their desire, I pray you would give it to them. And maybe it's simply, for most, I don't trust you, but I want to. Maybe my desire is, help me trust you. But Lord, you speak to us, and you use this moment. This is our sacrifice. This is us trading in our desire and just expecting that you're going to bless us in return. I don't need to say any more, Jesus. Amen. You guys respond as you feel led.